after resigning his pastorate to go lead another church, the pastor was approached by an endearing older member of the congregation, and she was weeping over the pastor's decision to leave, and she said to him, things will never be the same. And the minister tried to console her by saying, don't worry, I'm confident that you're going to get a new pastor who is better than me. And she continued to sob, and she replied, that's what the last three pastors have said, but they just keep getting worse. (laughs) Our scriptures this weekend speak to us of the importance of the virtue of humility, certainly something any pastor would feel during that moment. In the first reading we hear, conduct your affairs with humility. Humble yourself the more, the greater you are. And then our Lord in the gospel tells us, do not seek places of honor. He says, when you hold a lunch or a dinner, invite those unable to repay you. The one who humbles himself, Jesus says, will be exalted. It's no secret that humility is not a very popular virtue in our culture. It's not something many people strive for. We live in a culture, in fact, that encourages narcissism. Just look at social media, which so often focuses on the self. But the authentic Christian life can never be one of pride and egocentrism. To be a disciple of Jesus requires humility and self-effacement. Now the question is, how do we live this way? How do we live a humble life? Well, as in all things, we turn to our Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, who is our pattern of humility. In order to live a truly humble life, we need to model ourselves on Jesus, to live in union with him and in union with his humility. Contemplate the life of Jesus. He who was rich became poor. God, the second person of the Trinity, our Savior, emptied himself to become one of us. He literally entered into our human condition He lived a life of poverty. He sought no honors. He associated with outcasts and sinners and those on the margins. His whole focus, his whole mission was for our salvation. And to that end, he went to the cross and he emptied himself for us and for our salvation. Christ's whole life was one of emptying himself for others and for our salvation. To live a life of humility, we have to model ourselves on the life of Christ. You know, oftentimes people equate, I think they do at least anyway, equate humility with weakness. But it takes strength to live a life of humility. Because we all experience the pull towards the self. We all experience that pull towards selfishness because of original sin. We all experience that desire to make ourselves the center of the universe. 
It takes spiritual strength in God's grace to fight against this. Humility is meant to lead us out of ourselves. Humility is meant to help us to see good in others. Humility helps us to see that I am not the most important person in the universe or in the room. That I'm called to reach out to others, especially those who are in need. That I'm called to enter into other people's lives to help them, to lead them closer to the Lord, to know that I'm not better than anybody because we're all sinners. False humility is when we think less of ourselves, when we don't acknowledge the dignity that we possess as children of God. Humility acknowledges our goodness, the dignity that we possess as God's children, that we are loved by God, but it does acknowledge the fact that we're weak, that we are dependent upon the Lord. I want to just offer three practical ways that we can all practice humility and grow in humility. And by the way, none of us is perfectly humble. In fact, as Father Ray said in his homily this weekend, if we think we're humble, we're not, right? But three practical ways that we can grow in humility. First and foremost, acknowledge when you're wrong and apologize. Now, I know spouses can't relate to this, right? You've heard the story of the the spouses who were on a long road trip. They weren't talking to each other for hours. They were in this big argument, and they're driving on a country road, and the husband looks out. He sees a field with a, a bunch of mules, and so he says to his wife, relatives of yours? She said, yes, by marriage. So acknowledge when you're wrong and apologize. None of us likes to admit that we're wrong, but it's important to grow in humility, to practice humility by apologizing when we're wrong. Secondly, talk less about yourself and show more interest in others. I think many of us, most of us probably have a tendency to talk about ourselves and our accomplishments and our achievements But when we're in conversation with others, it's so important to show genuine interest in their lives. Ask them how they're doing. Focus on other people. To focus on others more than ourselves is a wonderful way to grow in humility and to practice humility. Last way is reach out to people who have been rejected by others. Reach out to those on the margins. You know, young people, this is a great time of year. You're back in school. All of you know people in school, students in school, who probably are off by themselves. What a wonderful way for you as young people to practice humility, to reach out to students who might not have a lot of friends. This applies to us as adults, too, in the workplace, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, to reach out to people who have been rejected, who are on the the margins. So to acknowledge when we're wrong and to apologize, talk less about ourselves, focus more on on others, and then reach out to people who have been rejected. I want to end with a, a beautiful story about humility that I read the other day. It was told by 
popular Catholic author, Scott Hahn. He tells a story about one of his priest friends who was visiting Rome, and on the steps of one of the churches, he saw a beggar with a familiar face. And with horror, he realized it was one of his classmates from when he was in seminary. And so he rushed over to him. He said, didn't we go together to seminary? The man replied, yes. And so the priest said, well, you're a priest. He said, no, not anymore. I fell off the deep end. A short time later, Scott Hahn's friend had an audience with Pope John Paul II, and he told, he told Pope John Paul this story, and he asked the Pope to pray for his friend. John Paul assured him that he would, and then John Paul whispered something to an aide. Later that day, the priest received a phone call inviting him to come with the ex-priest to dinner with the Pope. And so this priest rushed off to church. Thankfully, he found this man who was now no longer practicing as a priest. And he told him, the Pope wants to have us for dinner. And the man said, I'm a mess. I haven't showered in days. I'm a beggar. Well, the priest took him back to the hotel and helped him to get cleaned up and get dressed. And then they went and had a beautiful, enjoyable dinner with the Pope. And then at the end of the meal, the Holy Father asked to be alone with, with this priest, this former priest. And after a long time, the man emerged with tears in his eyes and his friend asked him, what happened? He said, the Pope asked me to hear his confession. And after regaining his composure because he was crying, the man continued, he said, Your Holiness, I'm a beggar. I'm not a priest. And the Pope said, Once a priest, always a priest. And who among us is not a beggar? I too come before the Lord as a beggar, asking forgiveness of my sins. And then the man said, Holy Father, I'm not in good standing with the church. And the Pope assured him that as the Bishop of Rome, Rome, he could reinstate him at that very moment. And then after the Pope heard his confession, Pope John Paul then assigned that priest to the beggars on the steps of the very church from which he had just come as a beggar. John Paul lived humility and changed this priest's life. He entered into this priest's world and brought him God's grace and elevated him to a life of grace. You and I are called to do the same, to humbly enter into the lives of others, to lead them to a life of God's grace.